start a new series in the book of Colossians um, this morning. Colossians is in the New Testament, one of the letters of Paul. Um, but this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about belief. Um, any of our Bible scholars out there recognize what that guy was just reading? Andrew might. I don't know if anybody else. That's known as the Apostles' Creed, and that thing is thousands of years old. But it's been, in the video, it's been tweaked a little bit. But it's talking about some of the, the distinctive marks of Christianity, what Christians believe. Um, but, but I am going to talk about belief a little bit this morning. But we're going to start into this new series that I've titled Against the Tide. Against the Tide. So we're going to be in Colossians 1 this morning. But before I really dig in, I want to give just a little bit of a background. If I'm going to spend some time here in Colossians, I want to give some of the background of uh, the book of Colossians. Colossians is, is one of Paul's letters. So, so obviously Paul Paul's the one who penned this to these Colossians. An interesting thing about this book of Colossians is that Paul actually wrote Colossians from prison. Anybody ever wrote a letter from prison? No, don't raise your hand. I'm kidding. Don't, don't tell me that. I mean, you can if you want to later, maybe privately or something, but don't admit you've been to prison. Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. God, God saves us all from something. Um, but, but he wrote this letter from prison. And in a sense, because he was in prison, he probably felt a certain sense of in, uh, urgency. First of all, because he was in prison, he probably had plenty of time to write letters. Usually you're not doing a whole lot in prison, so he probably had some time. But at the same time, prison wasn't like it is today. I mean, if you were in prison today, I'm, I'm sure it's still not fun, but at the same time, like, you're going to have some meals. You're going to, you probably have some free time to go out to the yard. You know, they're going to give you some clothes. It's going to be decent. Prison was not like that back then. In fact, he probably wasn't sure if he was going to survive the week. So in a sense, he's writing these letters in these deep, dark dungeons, kind of you think in the movies, maybe even worse. Um, but he's writing, he was writing these letters to different churches, and he wrote this letter of Colossians while he was in prison. A little bit more about it, the, the, the Colossians uh, were, were a group of people, a, a church in this town of Colossae. They were being urged to kind of depart from their orthodox belief. Kind of some of these things this video was talking about. Some of those main things that Christians all believe, they were being urged by, by the surrounding community, by the, by the society of the day, to depart from their belief in Christ and, and, and what the Bible taught them. So in the face of this outside philosophy, they were being pushed kind of away from their original beliefs. So Paul wrote to these Colossians, these, this church at Colossae, to show them that Christ was supreme, that Christ was better than, than all the philosophies, all the different things the world was trying to tell them. So as we begin to look at this and, and what we're going to kind of take away from it, what I'm going to walk us through for the next few weeks or, or maybe even a few months, is that Paul was writing to, to encourage the Colossians to live a Christian life in the midst of a non-Christian world. He was encouraging them to live a Christian life in the midst of a non-Christian culture. I think we can draw uh, truth from this even today. I mean, does that sound familiar? Living in a non-Christian culture? I'm not even just necessarily talking just about, you know, a lot of people say America's non-Christian. It's so far beyond that. You know, the, we were kind of, I guess, birthed out of somewhat Christian ideals, and, and they talk about that with America, but it's even beyond just America, that we don't live in a world anymore that, that celebrates or holds on to Christian values. 
So Paul was writing to the Colossians to encourage them to live a Christian life, to, to keep Christ supreme in a society that in some ways was similar to ours. Now, they didn't have email or computers or phones or whatever that we have, but in the same way, the, the Colossians were fighting this non-Christian culture. So we're going to walk through the book of Colossians to find some of the principles that Paul gives us. We're going to look at the, how, he, how he kind of encouraged this Colossian church. And from this, this is where I've kind of gotten the, the idea, the title for the series, Against the Tide, Living a Life That Stands Out. Against the Tide, Living a Life That Stands Out. So what I, where I've kind of come to this is, is there's a rising tide of human philosophy, of, of, of human ideas out there that is so contrary to God's Word so contrary to, to who Jesus said he was, so contrary to the, the Christian beliefs that the church is supposed to, to hold on to. And, and, and in, the, in the midst of this rising tide, Christ needs to take center stage. Christ needs to be the center of everything. And so we're going to look through this book for the, the next little while and kind of see how, how Paul encourages, how, how Paul preached kind of against the tide, how he preached against the philosophy of that day. So to, to bring it down a little bit this morning, uh, this morning we're going to focus just on the first part of Colossians 1. So we're going to be in Colossians 1 this morning. If, if you're not there yet, feel free to turn there. And so from this chapter, looking a little more specific this morning, we're going to begin to set the stage for the rest of Colossians. I'm going I'm to hopefully help us begin to dig in a little bit and kind of put the foundation down so that we can walk our way through this book. So this morning, kind of like this, uh, from this, this video where we were watching, what, the theme that I want us to take away this morning is that what you believe makes a difference. What you believe actually makes a difference. What you believe does matter. In fact, it's of utmost significance. What you actually believe is one of the most significant things in life. So with that, let's, let's dig in this morning Hopefully you found it by now, but Colossians 1, we're going to read 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel, that has come to you all over, all over the world. This gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us, of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father 
who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Pray with me again. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the fact that we can just open up its pages and we can hear from you. So Lord, as we begin this journey through the the book of Colossians, as we begin to look at this letter that Paul wrote so many years ago, I just pray that we could cross the bridge from what it meant then to what it means to us today. So Lord, I just pray that you would empower this message, empower this series, or that we can begin to look at how you would have us live in the midst of the philosophy that we face today. So Lord, speak to our hearts, open our hearts, help us to hear exactly what it is you want us to hear. I just pray that you would be with us. I pray these things in your name. Amen. So, as a usual intro, Paul begins this letter just like any of his other letters, just like we would probably begin a letter. It has the typical salutation, the, 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 the dear so-and-so. He's like saying, dear Colossians. If you look at verses 1 and 2, Paul, an apostle of Christ, he always kind of identified himself. And then he identified who he's writing to. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ, Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from the God our Father. So he's, he's starting this letter just like any of us would start a letter, just like many of his other letters start. He's, he's saying who he is and who the letter is to. So he's identifying himself as the author, and he's identifying the church at Colossae as its recipients. So, so from that, without trying to draw this out too long, because there's a lot to get in here, but, but I want us to get two things from this. Paul is writing this letter with love. He was affectionate towards these Colossians. So there's, there's probably all kinds of letters you could, you could write. He could, in a sense, I don't know, be taking them to court. I don't know what kind of, there's all kinds of letters out there. But this letter particularly is out of love for the Colossian church. So we, the first thing we take from even this, uh, these introductory remarks, this, this salutation like any letter is that he loved his brothers at the Colossian church. And then we also know that he was probably urgent because he was in jail. Probably didn't know how many days he had left. And so he knew that he, he wanted to send this letter to encourage, to show his love, and to help them find, again, the supremacy of Christ. So from that, the, the, the passage moves on. Let's read a little bit further, starting in verse 3. We always thank God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel. So here we see that, that Paul begins to get into the, the meat a little bit more. He begins to get into the, the, the depth of his letter, and he begins, in another familiar way, he expresses gratitude for the Colossian church. This was fairly common for him to do. He was always expressing his thanks for his fellow believers and the work that they were doing in wherever they were at. However, in Colossians, this is a little bit different, a little bit of a, a special circumstance. You see, Colossians is a little bit different than some of his letters because Paul did not start the Colossian church. 
He even says so here a little bit further in the letter, and we'll get into that in the next few weeks. But Paul didn't start this church. So it's kind of this special circumstance. He's writing a letter to a church that he didn't necessarily have first-hand knowledge of the start or the beginning, like many of the letters he did write. So he didn't, he didn't know these, these people as well as, as maybe some of the others. But another thing that's interesting about this letter to the, to the Colossians is that the church at Colossians, at Colossae, was in a town that actually had kind of waned in significance. See, a lot of times uh, Paul would write letters to, to, to major city sinners because they were, because of, of commerce or because they were on a, on a, on a waterway or something like that, he would write to major cities. Well, by the time that Paul was writing to Colossae, the, the city had actually waned in significance. So it wasn't a big metropolitan area for the day. So it's kind of interesting that he's writing this letter, number one, to a church that he didn't start, but number two, to a city that wasn't super significant. Now, we know it's significant in, in terms of Scripture and what God has, has done there, but, but it wasn't like he was writing to uh, First Baptist Dallas or United Methodist in, in New York. It was, a, it was a, kind of an insignificant, in some ways unknown by Paul, at least not known as well as some of the, the other churches that he had contact with, but he still wrote the letter to them. Look at verse 4 with me again. Here's, here's why this is important. Verse 4, Because we have heard of your faith in Jesus Christ, and of the love you have for all the saints. Despite not starting this church, despite it being in an insignificant town, Paul had still heard about the Colossian church. So in that, we kind of get our first takeaway, our first point this morning. That even though they were significant, that even though it wasn't a church that Paul had started, their reputation had preceded them. And so when we're looking at the fact that what we believe matters, what you believe matters because it affects your reputation. It affects what people know about you. Your reputation kind of goes before you, and, and what you believe is going to really dictate what people hear and know and, and think about you. What you believe matters because it will affect your reputation. I think when I began to think about this, I thought of the old country artist Aaron Tippin. Everybody, anybody ever heard of Aaron Tippin? Aaron, Aaron Tippin. Aaron Tippin has a song that came to mind, and 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 I didn't even realize this was Aaron Tippin until I looked it up. But it's this old country song. I think it was from when I was a, like in elementary. But it was the, the main the main. I think the title, and then obviously the main chorus is that you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Some of you guys are saying, now, I didn't know that was Aaron Tippin. That was, that's Aaron Tippin. I don't even know if Aaron Tippin's still singing music anymore. But, but I thought of this song, you've got to stand for something or, you're, or, or you'll fall for anything. You'll be known for what you stand for or what drives you or what pushes you in life. What you believe is what's driving you, and you're going to be known by whatever that is. You're going to be known for standing for something or falling for anything like Aaron Tippin talks about. You see, what's so dangerous about today, this, the, kind of in this similar idea that the, that the Colossians were struggling with, the philosophy of the day, in, in, in our world today, the society is telling us that we need to separate our public persona, who we are in public, from what we believe. 
They're telling us that, that you can believe whatever you want, but as long as you keep it private and you don't talk to anybody about it, you don't bring that into the public sphere. And, and, and everybody thinks, oh, it's okay to believe everything, you know, you can believe whatever you want, but just don't bring it out into the world. Keep it to yourself. And so we've, we've kind of entered this PC society where we can't talk about distinctive things. And we almost don't celebrate like differences in beliefs even. And that's dangerous. That's a dangerous place to be. Because you can't separate who you are, what you're known by, what you stand for, you know, into a public and a private arena. Because who you are in the public is what you believe. You know, we have to be careful in today's society that we don't hurt people's feelings. But the public is where we need to be discussing those things. People need to look at you and know this is what you stand for. This is who you are. The, Co- the Colossian church was known for who, who they were and what they were doing. Even without Paul having that firsthand knowledge like he usually does. Without it being a significant city. Paul knew firsthand about the Colossians. When I began to think about this a little bit more, I think a, way, a good analogy is that your belief, what you believe, is like sand at the beach. It gets in everything. You know when you leave the beach and you, and you just, you've got sand everywhere? You can't, you can't, you, can't, you get, try to get in the car and it's like in the floorboard now and it's in your luggage and it's on your sandals and, you know, you can't get rid of the sand when you go to the beach. But what you believe, you can't, it's like trying to leave the, once you believe it, you can't get rid of it. It's part of who you are. It was part of who the Colossians were. And so what we believe is important because it's part of who we are. And people are going to know us by that. We can't, we can't escape what we believe. And that's a good thing. So to apply that a little bit, what beliefs do people know you by? What kind of things do you stand for? What kind of things are you kind of going against the tide with? That's kind of the, that theme, like, what are you known for kind of standing up for and, and making a stand and making an impact and living for and, and being driven by? But the passage moves on. Let's look at verse 5 again. The faith and love that spring from hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you all over the world. This gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who was a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. I'm going to begin to look a little further into this passage. Paul continues by sharing exactly what he had heard about the Colossians. He goes on to say, this is what I've heard about you. He's like, he's not only saying, I've heard about you, but this is actually what I've heard. It's always helpful to know what, what, he, you know, what someone's heard of you. He's saying, you, he says, I know the gospel has impacted you. The gospel has had an impact on, on each of you individuals and your church. 
You see, what he's basically saying is that, that, that the Colossians have been swept up in this great movement, the greatest movement of all time, Christianity. He's saying, I know you've been swept up in that movement, and that's good. And it's indicated, the fact that you've been swept up is indicated by your faith and your love. Christ was impacting the lives of the Colossians. The truth of the gospel was impacting their lives and making a difference. And, 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 and Paul is making a, an important point in verse 6. He's saying all over the world, this movement, is, is this gospel is taking hold and, and, and pushing back the darkness throughout the world. So he's saying, I, I know what God's been doing in you. You see, he knows what God is doing in the Colossians' lives, what he's doing in the Colossian church, because the Colossians were hungry for the gospel. The Colossians were going after the gospel with everything that they were. Here's the second point that I want you to take away this morning. Belief in Christ, your belief, when you begin to, to follow the gospel, understand the gospel, will make you more and more hungry for the gospel. The Colossians were hungry for the gospel. You see what he says in verse 6, that, that it's come to you all over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it. When I began to think about this, he, Paul's saying this fruit is growing in you. Well, I, I began to think about when we lived in North Carolina, and, and you can do it a little bit here, but not as well, but things really grow in North Carolina. I loved it there because I like, I like all kinds of peppers, like green peppers, you know, bell peppers. I like jalapenos. But you can always go in the early spring, and you can go get your, your fruits and vegetables. Maybe not fruit. I never grew fruits there. But you go get your vegetables, and in North Carolina, it was almost guaranteed they'd grow. Now, here you got to work a little bit harder. Uh, things grew so well there that when I was in landscaping, you could, you could trim off certain uh, trees and, 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 and different uh, plants, and you could plant the trimmings and those trimmings would grow. I don't think we can do that in Montana, but, but I say this to say that, have you ever tried to grow something without putting the work into it? I think the key word there is try. You try to grow something like you plant it, and if you never come back to it, if you don't take care of it, you don't fertilize it, don't water it, don't do what you're supposed to, especially in Montana, like if you don't take care of it, you're not going to grow what you're trying to grow. In a sense, when it came to peppers, I was hungry to grow peppers because I like to eat them. I was literally hungry to grow some peppers. The Colossian church was hungry. The more that they got the taste of the gospel, the more that they allowed the gospel to work into their lives, the more that their reputation grew in the gospel, the more hungry they became for the gospel. And Paul saw this hunger. He's been praying for them. And later on, lower down, verse 10, and we pray that, we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So Paul was even praying for their hunger and growth. So for us, belief in Christ will make you even more and more hungry. So the more that we seek to, 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 to apply this, as I apply this a little bit, the more that we seek Christ in our belief, the hungrier we should get. When I, when I think about getting hungrier, uh, who watches the Discovery Channel? Do you ever turn on the Discovery Channel and you start watching a, an episode of something about, um, maybe it's about cats, 
Like, I don't really like cats, but then I start watching this Discovery Channel show about cats, and then before I know it, it's this spiral down, and I'm, like, researching cats for hours, you know? I, don't, I never liked cats before that, but, but my point is in this, that once we begin to, 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 to look into the gospel, the gospel should be that way. And when we, when we allow Christ to really work his way in our hearts and, and begin to guide our lives, and we should be watching the episode and then going to the Wikipedia page and then joining the fan club, you know, like our hunger should grow. Our relationship with Christ is the same as, as, as watching a Discovery Channel show. The more that we get to know him, the more we want to know about him. And we need to have that hunger. From here, um, Paul kind of begins to conclude this, this part of chapter 1. And before we read, I want us to, to get the third point. The third point I want us to take away this morning is that the Colossians' belief mattered. Our belief matters because it gives us strength from God to endure. It gave them strength to endure. It gives us strength to endure. Let's read the last part of this passage beginning in verse 11. Read with me. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You see, the Colossian church, again, that, that, that world was so different back then, they were probably facing persecution, yet they were still a fairly strong church. We know they were at least facing the persecution of the philosophy of the day. But even beyond that, this was kind of a time and day where, where Christians were put in jail. They were killed for believing in Christianity. So we know that the Colossians were we're probably facing some pretty tough things. And Paul probably firsthand, I mean, he's writing from, from prison. So Paul probably firsthand knows that it's only going to get worse, that their, that their persecution was only going to get heightened and it was only going to be even more intense. So he encouraged them, encourages the Colossian church in the strength that they needed. He pushes them, pushes their focus to the strength that they needed. Here's what's important about this. The strength that Paul is pushing them to that we just read about here is not the strength of their own. He's not saying go to the gym and get buff so you can fight these dudes, which God would have probably been okay with that. But what I'm saying is that he's, he's not pointing them towards their own strength. He's pointing them towards God's strength, that God is the one that, that will strengthen you and get you through this. The strength was given by God. When I begin to think about this, uh, for some reason, I've been on a superhero kick recently. We did a whole sermon on that recently. But I began to think about somebody giving somebody else their strength. The way, the way that I could kind of connect the dots on this is any, anybody like Iron Man? Well, well, Tony Stark has this suit, right? So it's not necessarily, I mean, he's a really smart guy, really wealthy guy. But he's not necessarily like a real strong dude. Some of those guys like Superman is actually kind of strong or the Hulk is actually kind of strong. Well, Tony Stark isn't necessarily just a really strong dude. I mean, I'm sure he's in shape to run that suit and everything, but, but it's like if Tony Stark gave you his suit, 
you would have that strength of that suit. You could fly and smash through walls and all the things he does that, that Iron Man does in his suit. You could put the Iron Man suit on. So it, it, in that idea, that, that strain of thought, when we're receiving strength, our strength is basically like, like God saying, here's an Iron Man suit. Our strength is in Christ and what God has done for us, not in our own power, not what we, we, we get on our own, but it's a, a strength that's imparted to us. It was a strength that Paul was encouraging the Colossians to look for, that strength that comes from God. And it's a totally different strength than, than we think that we even need. So wanting to apply this a little bit more, um, I began to think about when... Uh, Growing up, you have a, have a mom or a grandma. And, and one of their favorite things to say is, is, there's nothing like a good breakfast. Maybe after a long night or a sleepless night, or, or there's, there's, there's nothing that a good breakfast won't fix. You've probably heard that before. You know the feeling when you, when you kind of wake up and you, and you kind of have the taste of regret in your mouth? Maybe you had a really bad day the day before. Maybe you did something you wish you hadn't. Maybe work went really bad. Maybe you got fired or something like that. And you wake up in the morning and you've got this taste of regret in your mouth. Or maybe you treated somebody like you shouldn't have treated them. Maybe you acted in a way that you shouldn't have acted. But you wake up in the morning and and you feel badly about the way things turned out. Well, like your mama always says, there's nothing like a good breakfast. Like a good breakfast, some sunlight, maybe even a good workout. Everybody work out in the morning? No, I'm kidding. I, I don't even work out in the morning. I need to, but I don't work out in the morning. But, but you know that, that kind of that idea that if you get up in the morning, you start the day off on the right foot, that, that, that you start looking through the day, and you, you got the refreshed feeling of, of a big cup of coffee and some pancakes and, and something warm off the griddle. When we're, when we're talking about the strength that comes from God, when we're talking about putting on the Iron Man suit, the first place to go is God's Word. And the best time of day to do it is in the morning. Now, that's not even, that's not even a non-negotiable, but the point is that if we nourish ourselves with God's truth, it's like putting on that Tony Stark Iron Man suit. That if we nourish ourselves with God's truth, that if, that if we seek Him daily, like we look for breakfast in the morning, that we're strengthened just the way God wants us to be strengthened. In a sense, this is the way I thought about it, you need a breakfast of grace every day. You need to be reminded of what Jesus does for you every day. You need to be reminded of God's truth, what he speaks to us through his word every day. And you get that breakfast of grace by spending time with Jesus. By spending time, you're kind of like, wow, I, I can spend time with Jesus. Yeah, crack your word open. Start reading scripture. Yeah, even each one of us can pray on a daily basis. Even if you don't know what to pray, just saying, God, be with me and guide me today. Speak to my heart. Help me to seek you. And prayer in his word is how we take that, that daily dose of grace. We're reminded of who Jesus is. That's how we are strengthened. Because the world beats us down. We wake up in the mornings feeling bitter or, or regret or, or whatever that we're struggling with. And we need that dose of God's grace for breakfast. And when we do this, not only does our knowledge grow, not only does, does, does our perspective change, 
but we kind of get this new understanding of everything. And when we try to do it on our own, when we're beaten down by life, and we feel that regret and, and, and shame and discouragement, God's grace reminds us that we can endure because of that. Because if we face it by ourselves, we're just beat down by it. But if we allow God's grace to speak into that, we allow Christ to renew our mind every day, then we know that we can still live for him and we can make it through, we can have the strength to make it through whatever we're going through. So as I come to conclude this morning, I want us to come back to this idea that, that what we believe matters. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. I'm excited to begin to work through this book of Colossians. And at the same time, man, there's, there's some good, deep stuff here. We're going we're gonna to chew on some good, good deep stuff, some stuff about Christ, some of the kind of like what this video was talking about. We're going to look at what it looks like to live in a way that stands out, in a way that makes a difference. So I'm excited moving forward. But as I come to conclude this morning,